Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So we have a terrific podcast lined up for this week. First, we will kick it off with Google Ventures' recent announcement to discontinue its European fund. Can't say we didn't see that coming. We will talk about what we should expect from the European IPO scene now that companies like Deezer and HelloFresh have pulled their IPOs. We'll talk about a new European fund coming out of Berlin. So that's Power Ventures. And we'll take a look at Alex DePledge from Hassle.com and what she mentioned at TechCrunch Disrupt. And just to wrap it up for the holidays, Neil and I will also share some of our favorite European-made gadgets so that you guys can all go shopping and buy lots of European tech. So it seems like it's a bit of the end of an era for Google Ventures in Europe. They cut their announcement to discontinue their activities in Europe into two. And I really can't say that I'm surprised. And Neil, I know you're not surprised. So first, Google Ventures, which is now going by GV, says that they will no longer have a separate fund for Europe, but rather one global fund. And second, Bill Maris, who's essentially president and chief exec of GV, said that the fund would be winding down its seed stage investments. So I have to say, we've covered GV quite a bit on the podcast. We've covered their kind of inactivity on the show before, pointed out how uh, some of the European investments were not exactly what we expected when they launched, given that they were actually quite late stage and primarily UK-based The Wall Street Journal mentions that GV has been less seed focused since Kevin Rose stepped down from his role as partner last year. And it also looks like regardless of geography, GV has increased investments in consumer space and will increasingly look at the health and life sciences. Yeah, as you say, we've talked about this before. Perhaps we should have been more surprised than we were, but it wasn't very surprising. What was surprising was people's comments following it. So I, I was shocked to see people say stuff like, oh, Europe is Europe has nothing to invest in. And this is why Google Ventures have pulled out, pulled out, folded into US, whatever you want to sugarcoat it as. But for me, for people to, to say that it was Europe's failing, for this is complete rubbish. I mean, Europe, it's got the most venture capital it's ever raised, the most exits it's ever had, the most billion dollar companies it's ever had. Oh, but because Google Ventures no longer have a European arm, this means there's nothing to invest in in Europe. I mean, I'm sorry, but you clearly, if you have that viewpoint, then I'm, I don't think you know much about the European scene, to be honest. And if you want to go and hero worship the valley, you can continue to do that. But I would certainly say the failing here is certainly with Google rather than with Europe. Uh, and FT and Business Insider have reported before that there was a lot of kind of internal problems, a lot of structural problems, a lot of strategical problems with how they invested. They have an algorithm which dictates a lot of their investments. A lot of the partners in London were not happy with that if reports are to be believed. But ultimately, this is down to what happened at Google rather than what's happening in Europe. So yeah, definitely don't believe anyone that says that this is because there's no opportunities in Europe, because that is not true. 
And actually, they're two different things. There doesn't even have to be a correlation between the two. What's also interesting is this kind of whole debate over whether they've pulled out of Europe or whether they've just folded their fund up into the US fund and will still be just as active in Europe. To be honest, I feel like that's a bit of sugarcoating. I mean, it's just like when Rocket go into a country and then pull out a couple of months later and they say, oh, no, actually, we're going to focus elsewhere. They don't say, oh, we didn't do very well in that market. Or it's like when, when people let people go, they say, oh, we're restructuring, you know, we're focusing on our core business now. It's never, oh, you know, we don't have enough cash to pay these people, so we had to let them go. Of course, it's been sugarcoated. I can't believe that so many people have swallowed what we've been told, to be honest. I do think they will still invest in Europe, but there's no denying that not having a specific European fund will mean they invest less. Although, like you say, they're only investing in the UK anyway. The only investment that they've done in Europe was in Sweden. That was actually from the US arm anyway. So yeah, I mean, maybe not too much will change. Maybe the UK will miss a few late stage investments. But I I don't think this is going to be disastrous. I, I do think they will still invest in Europe. But of course, not having a European arm will mean less investments. Yeah. And I think to your point about people criticizing Europe and saying that, you know, Europe doesn't have enough to invest in, I think this is the only example that I can think of actually of somebody pulling out of Europe. I think we've seen a lot more funds and businesses actually expand either corporate development activities to Europe or set up additional investment branches in Europe. So I think this is the first one I've seen take the strategy. And I think it's probably, as you mentioned, got a lot more to do with internal strategy and the team at, at GV rather than, than Europe or the market itself. Definitely. So now turning our attention to more market trends, we will take a look at the European IPO situation, maybe not as glamorous as it seems. So I think the European startup scene often is criticized for its lack of exits. And this year, at least IPO announcements were definitely above the norm. It, it also included a lot of listings on European stock exchanges, which is very rare. We've seen quite a few companies make the leap and go public in the US. And there was actually an article published in Bloomberg not too long ago that seemed even extremely overly optimistic on Europe's IPO situation. However, it seems that despite the increase in startups wanting to go public, we're also seeing delays and setbacks. So prior to preparing for today's podcast, I thought the year was marked by an increase in European IPOs. We've seen companies like HelloFresh, Deezer, Showroom Privé all announce IPOs. However, actually quite a few of these companies cancel them. Just in terms of figures, in 2015, there were 20 companies that listed raising 600 million. And in 2014, that number is only slightly higher for the number of companies and lower for the amounts raised. So 2014 was 24 companies raising 530 million. Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of in line with our data as well that we have at Tech EU. So we also do our exit kind of quarterly exit reports, and we've just released our Q3 one. So I happen to have been looking at this data quite a lot recently. And actually, yeah, this year and last year are pretty much equal. I mean, you have the big amount in Q2, which is kind of typical, which is Often when companies do choose to kind of go public, I always believe that there's a kind of correlation between spring and optimism, but I don't know if that's proven. But there was 10 last year in Q2. There was 10 this year in Q2. Other than that, you get like two, three, four per quarter. Q3 saw four, which is actually 
a pretty decent amount. You you normally outside of Q2, four is pretty much as high as it's gone in the last couple of years. So that seems like a small number, four and a quarter, right? But actually, that's on a par with Asia and actually ahead of the US in Q3. So it proves that companies, I mean, at least in Europe, they are going public. And in fact, we probably would have had more in Q3 if we hadn't have had those cancellations. But of course, these areas had them as well. But the point is, is that Europe is definitely holding its own, both in terms of the exit scene and in terms of IPOs. Yeah. So what should we expect to see in the future? I guess our listeners can go and actually read the full article that we published on tech.eu. But we had a chance to catch up with some industry experts, including head of listings for NASDAQ in Europe and also Euronext. Both of them say that 2014 and 2015 have shown significant momentum for European startups. And despite the fact that they've seen slowdown in the US, they don't expect to see it stop in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard to predict this type of market and and kind of what we will see next year. I mean, I mentioned Q2 a minute ago, and I think that will kind of prove to be key. Uh, To to me, that kind of always indicates how well the, the public market does in a year. So I would advise that we keep an eye on Q2, see how kind of successful that is, see how many companies go public. I have a feeling, actually, that we will see quite a lot in Q2. I know Rocket have got quite a few companies lined up to go public. And I actually think we'll see quite a lot in a German market go public next year. Q2 will probably be the time to do it. So we may well see a big Q2, which will probably lead to a big year. Yes, I think definitely we'll have to to keep our eye out for that and probably not also get too caught up on some of these small setbacks. Now turning our attention to a new European fund, Power Ventures coming out of Berlin. So this fund was actually launched in 2010 and essentially bootstrapped since then, has announced its first institutional round. So bringing the fund to $45 million and they're actually expected to close the round at $65 million. Power, which is a fund I had actually never heard of, and I'm very embarrassed by this, invests between 200K and 2 million, focusing primarily on European SaaS B2B marketplace, e-commerce ventures. And I actually was, I'm, I'm even more embarrassed that I hadn't heard of them just because their fund has actually done relatively well. So from their previous fund, they've already exited four of their 11 companies. Well, I have to admit, I had no idea of their track record. I had no idea that they'd had uh, so many exits already. In my mind, they were kind of fairly new. So I wouldn't be too embarrassed. I did. I was aware of them, but mainly that's because they had invested in a Swedish company, Detectify. So kind of on my watch. So yeah, I was aware of them. But I, I definitely wouldn't say they're kind of one of the more well-known ones. But perhaps uh, we should be keeping an eye on them if they have such an impressive track record. Yeah, I think some of their investments have included, for example, Productive, which was bought by Jive in 2012. More recently, Pipedrive, Shore, Roundtier. I think also I was surprised to see that Christian Thaler, who was previously at Wellington in London, has also recently joined the fund as partner. Yeah, I mean, I was just going back to kind of saying uh, about them not being particularly well known. I have to say I was quite impressed with their PR strategy in announcing this kind of fun because they've definitely managed to I think it's a good example for kind of pan-European firms because I've seen them mentioned in a lot of local medias around Europe as focusing on that area I mean the the, the reality is they're going to focus on the kind of German-speaking countries but also look towards Nordics etc as well but it's a lot of local media saying oh Power Ventures they've got a new fund and you know some of it will be spent here 
so yeah, I I was quite impressed with kind of how they got their kind of pan-European message out there and had the kind of various local medias cover it and therefore kind of startups being aware of them as well. So yeah, I, I thought it was a good strategy and kind of a good rule book for pan-European investors to follow. That is uh, probably a very, very smart strategy. So I think we'll keep an eye out for their PR as well as their exits and investments going forward. We have someone terrific lined up for this week. This is Hassle.com co-founder Alex DePledge, and we'll be discussing some of the big, bold statements she made at TechCrunch Disrupt last week in London. So brief disclaimer, Alex is a friend, but a very impressive entrepreneur. For people who may not know her, she is one of the co-founders of Hassle, which was acquired earlier this year by Rocket Internet competitor Helpling. And I guess for anyone who hasn't seen Alex speak before or didn't get a chance to see her at TechCrunch Disrupt, would highly encourage them to watch the video. She is a fantastic speaker, definitely speaks her mind. I think she made some interesting comments, for example, on not wanting hassle to be classified as part of the sharing economy. And she even goes as far as saying that if she had to start all over again, she wouldn't necessarily do things as she did previously. Maybe that even means not launching her company, which I think is actually quite a bold and brave statement to make in our kind of overhyped ecosystem at times. But her speech actually raises two very interesting points that I think we probably under discuss in the ecosystem. So she kind of jokingly says that her Christmas wish would be for Europe to open up immigration and build a huge domestic market similar to what is happening in the US. And I think the second thing that she mentions, which is very timely with both Mark Zuckerberg and Marissa Mayer discussing children and maternity leave and paternity leave, what have you, is that she calls for uh, more parental rights and says that we should live in a world or an environment where maternal and parental leave are equal. So hats off to Alex for both those statements. Yeah, I agree with both of them. And actually, you know, we, we say they're bold statements, but actually they shouldn't really be. They're pretty much common sense statements. And, and she's a great role model. Well, I was going to say for female entrepreneurs, but for all entrepreneurs, actually, she's done a, a great job of her company and certainly happy to speak her mind as well, which is really important. And yeah, I, I think it's very timely what she says, especially about the parental rights. Obviously, I have a close affiliation with the Nordics where actually parental and maternal rights are, are pretty much equal um, in a lot of the countries or, or at least near to equal. And it's certainly something that, that I strongly believe in. And it's kind of shocking we don't really see this, um, especially in the, the tech world, because I feel like this is still a very old fashioned way of looking at things about how a woman should, you know, raise a child and a man goes off to work. That's certainly not the case these days, and especially not in a tech industry. So you would think that this is something that that wouldn't necessarily be bold and would, would pretty much be accepted. But hopefully we are going to start seeing this change. I mean, for me, Mark Zuckerberg taking off the time he's taken off it isn't shocking to me because i i'm kind of aware of of the nordics where it's essentially the norm but it isn't the norm in the uk or across europe across the world so it is certainly something that i would like to see change and hopefully kind of tech can be uh, an industry that kind of leads with this although you know tech <laughs> when it comes to equality doesn't actually have the greatest track record but i guess that's another conversation I can't let gender equality pass without mentioning something that which completely shocked me this week. It is slightly outside of tech, but I still wanted to mention it, was the fact that Angela Merkel won Time Magazine's Person of the Year. 
And I was absolutely shocked to see that she was the first woman to win the award in 29 years. That's nearly in my lifetime since 1986. And now we've spoken before about I've given my views, I don't believe in forced equality. But I do not believe that a woman has not been deserving of that award in the last 29 years. So really shocking to see going slightly off the the tech route there. But I just had to point that out. Very good statement. Definitely. That is very shocking that in 29 years, we have not seen another woman. And I think a lot of the predictions for 2016 are talking about how we will really start to see women taking up more kind of central roles and more of the decisive space in a number of different industries. So I think this is probably very, very timely to be discussing all of this. So just wrapping up the podcast this week, we thought we would mention a few of our favorite Europe-made gadgets um, in light of the holiday shopping season. So in 2014, actually, tech.eu published a list of 50 of Europe's most exciting hardware startups, so lots of gadgets and things that you can imagine. Not sure all of them would make terrific gifts, so we thought we would bring a few more to your attention. I have to say, one company I've had my eye on for a while is a French company called Ore. They make really beautiful technology kind of products. So they it's not necessarily, I wouldn't call all of them gadgets, but they're kind of like humanizing a lot of the, the stuff that we regularly use, making lots of things out of raw materials. For example, they're well known for a Bluetooth wooden keyboard that they sell for around 150 euros. But one of my favorite products is actually their little round weightless charger. So it just looks like a tiny, almost like a coaster, but slightly thicker. So it's a, a wireless charger cell phone charger that doubles as a Bluetooth speaker. Uh, the product comes in wood and marble and sells for roughly 110 euros. Yeah, I've uh, picked out a couple as well. And I believe I've mentioned Airtame on the podcast before when we've talked about hardware products. But this is a Danish product, which is very similar to Google Chromecast, except it's a bit more of a, say, professional target market. So it's for when you're kind of going to a meeting and you need to present, you can put it on the screen very easily. Obviously, wireless, just a little thing in your computer. So I, I think Airtame is a very kind of good present for those kind of the, the entrepreneur or the startup founder in your life, someone who has to do a lot of presenting. Uh, it certainly makes the, the kind of finding the cables to, to connect to a projector. It kind of takes away that problem. So I would certainly recommend that. I'm probably going to get the price point wrong because I don't know, but I believe it's somewhere in the region of around 30 euros-ish either way. So nice and affordable and definitely a decent alternative to, say, Chromecast and one that's probably better suited to professional needs. And the other one I will mention is a Swedish camera. It's basically a life-logging camera that you clip around your neck. It's called Narrative. They've just had their latest version come out called Clip 2. And basically, it just takes photos all the time. So while you're walking around, it'll just take photos of your day. So like I said, life logging. And then it's kind of got good sync in with iPhone and stuff like that. So then you can go and look at the photos that you've taken that day, choose the best ones, and you're kind of capturing moments throughout the day. So you never need to kind of stop and get your phone out and take pictures. You'll have a record of your day of which you can then go back and look uh, kind of what you did and choose the best photos. I'm actually just frantically pulling up my browser to see how much they cost. And the narrative clip 
2, the latest one. So that's the most advanced one. It's $199. And actually, estimated shipping is for February. So it'll probably miss Christmas. But you can still get the original version, which is 149 So that's narrative clip, a life logging camera from Sweden. But that's it for this week. Please let us know what you thought of this podcast. If you have any kind of recommendations for little gadgets in European tech that you think are good ideas for Christmas presents, then drop them in the comments as well so that other people can see them. I know I'm basically just asking for self-promotion there, but I'll go with it. Also give us feedback as well. We're on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud and we're on Twitter at Neil SW Murray and at Roxanne Barza at tech underscore EU. The website is obviously tech.eu and please do leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud helps other people discover the podcast as well but thanks for listening and we'll be back next week thanks Roxanne thanks Neil